The following is a fourth-hand production. Hi, I'm Bob Lazar. During late 1988 and early 89, I worked on the propulsion systems of extraterrestrial vehicles for the United States government. The hardware and technology I was exposed to should be placed in the proper hands of the scientific community, and it is the right of every person on Earth to know that there is physical evidence which proves that there is life elsewhere and that at least one form of that life has been here. In 1989, a man named Robert Scott Lazar was interviewed by a Las Vegas television station and claimed that he had worked for the U.S. government back engineering alien technology. That single act unleashed a firestorm that is still smoldering to this day. Bob Lazar, UFOs, and the existence of aliens next on Hysteria 51. Life is a mystery. Confusion is all around us. The truth is out there, but you won't find it here. Welcome to Hysteria 51. Come inside our secret hideaway as we talk conspiracy theories, mysteries, and the unexplained. All viewed through skeptical eyes and the blurry lens of a beer bottle. Now, here are your hosts, Brent Hand and John Goforth. Bob Lazar. Bob Lazar. Bob Lazar. Every time I look around, every time I look around, every time I look around, I it's in my first. head. Just can't get enough of that song. Welcome in, Hysteria Nation. We are back and better than ever in a Bob Lazar 2 electric boogaloo version of Hysteria 51. <laughs> you just heard from my co-pilot on this journey. That's Brent Hand. What is up, everyone? My name is John Goforth, and we are joined once again by our favorite millennial, Matt the Millennial. What's going on? Dynamic drop-in, Matt. The fourth member of our tribe is with us once again. The robot, the myth, the legend, conspiracy bot. Ah, the humans I love to hate and hate to love. What is up, you goofy bastards? And we love you, buddy. Love you so much. That Brent, did you give him a new program or something? He's not normally that nice. I'm He's, worried. I turned his snark down 17%. Right. See, like a nice round number. That number is anything <laughs> but round. But round. But, uh, <laughs> awesome. Cool. All right. So we are back into Bob Lazar. Folks, we already told you in episode seven everything that Bob contends happened. Here in episode eight, Every we are going to... fucking stitch of it is true. Thanks. See you next time on Hysteria 51. <laughs> but wait, there's more! Wrong! <laughs> uh, here on episode eight, we are going to take a little bit of a deeper dive and say, wait a second, do we believe that? And if so, why do we or, or why don't we? Yeah, let's pick it apart a little bit. Or why don't we? Mm-hmm. Or why don't we? Meaning, I don't. Gotcha. Wait. <laughs> I think I just ruined the end of the show. Uh, all right. Um, let's, before we dive in, let's talk what we're drinking. All right. Let's start up with our millennial friend, Matt. What are you drinking? I'm drinking an Irish trash can. Man, I did that once in the eighties. Uh, oh wait, you, you, you mean, you mean an actual, uh, cocktail? What is, what is in that? Well, it's blue carousel, gin, rum, vodka, a whiskey, and Red Bull. It is fucking green. It's disgusting green. Smell. It must be strong because as you described it, you lost your accent. 
Well, you're not wrong. All I know, it's fucking gross. I'm not even going to taste it. It's that gross. <laughs> she likes it. It's hip. <laughs> <laughs> Who knew? That was the best reaction that drink got. Fuck, man. Anytime you're coming over to drink and you have to have like nine bottles of liquor to make one drink, like that's just not, I know I got a bar, but it's just not very fucking Hey, I'm going to make my own drink. I have three jewel shopping bags. Yeah. <laughs> Do you have a uh, furniture dolly by any chance? I, I'm coming back from the store. Because <laughs> I've got an alcohol problem and a dream. <laughs> <laughs> you call it an alcohol problem. He just calls it a bucket list. <laughs> yeah, there you go. That he drinks out of a bucket. <laughs> It's a trash can. It is. Come on. Come on now. And Brent, what are you drinking? Well, you probably want to be make sure you're sitting down at home. I cracked open a Bud Light. Holy shit. You know, big surprise. You topped me off. My Irish trash can's already half gone. Your Irish trash can looks like green piss water. Like, I don't know. It's like the Green Lantern. It actually turns my stomach to look at it a little bit. And that's just him, not his drink. Like, Brent, didn't you have a girlfriend in high school that we called Irish trash can? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not surprised. Oh, uh, that was college. Thanks. <laughs> My bad. All right. So, Bobby Lazar. Oh, Bobby boy. If you want a quick recap on Bob Lazar, on who he is, what he did, what he did. <laughs> what I do is physics. I do them good, and they pay me and shit from the U.S. government, and then I made a rocket car out of my Honda. <laughs> I don't know, but it was funny. <laughs> what the fuck? If you want a recap of who he is and, and what he did, either go to Wikipedia or better yet, I have a better idea. Listen to our last episode, episode seven, where we introduce you to the story here in this episode. We are going to tear it apart and I'm going to stick up for it. Let's dive in, Brent. All right. Right off the bat. Anytime you're going to come out of the woodwork and say, I worked on fucking alien spacecraft. Everyone's going to not believe you. You could show up in the damn spacecraft and people are still probably not going to uh, believe you. But old Bobby boy didn't show up in the spacecraft. He just made outlandish claims, which were immediately picked apart. The first thing that we were talking about is his education in the last episode. He said that he had degrees from Caltech and MIT. And as soon as he came forward, people were like, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. I don't remember you at Caltech. I don't remember you at MIT. Uh, you have no papers at either. You're not in the yearbooks at either. You can't provide any paperwork that you were actually there. And, and the one school that he can provide paperwork for or that can support the fact that he enrolled there is Pierce Junior College in California. The only problem with that is he also says he was there at the same time that he was at MIT in Massachusetts. Well, if you remember, he had a fucking rocket-powered Honda. It he probably he probably traversed the country randomly at will at ease. <laughs> it might have even flown because it would fucking have to <laughs> to do both of those things at the same fucking time. So people are looking into his past and they are like, we cannot find anything that proves that you were in school at these places. And he was asked publicly when he got his master of science from MIT, and he said, well. You know, let me see now. I think it was probably 1982. Nobody getting a master's in science from MIT would not know the fucking year they got their fucking degree. Dude, I can tell you when I got the President's Physical Fitness Award. <laughs> I have those patches, It too. was in 1988, <laughs> all right? I, 
much less a fucking degree from MIT. Uh, another thing he said, they asked, uh, who are some of your professors? And he said, well, let's see now. Uh, Bill Duxler will remember me from the physics department at Caltech. Uh, they located Dr. Duxler. He's a Pierce Junior College physics professor and never taught at Caltech. Well, is it perhaps that he taught at both at the same time? I mean, hell. If they our, commuted together if, in his if, rocket car. Yeah, if our protagonist was able to uh, travel cross-country, I mean, this guy can easily get up the uh, uh, the western seaboard. Exactly. Done both those schools at the same time, and you can't produce anything showing you that. Going back even further, people checked into his high school. Uh, he graduated in August, not with his class. The only science course he took was chemistry. He ranked 261 out of 369 students, which put him in the bottom third of all people in his class. Which there, is which is normally what an MIT uh, <laughs> exactly <laughs> accepted uh, student or prospective yeah. student uh, ranks. MIT's where you go, you know, as a safe school if you can't get into you know state where you want to go. Well, I'll tell you this. <laughs> I'll tell you this. I applied at MIT. I applied at uh, Harvard. I applied at Yale. Those were all my safe schools. But when I got into SIU Carbondale, I'm like, you know what? Fuck the rest of them. That's where I'm going. Good old Southern Illinois. I'm a Saluki. Mm. There, now there's a pedigree that'll follow you for the rest of your life. That's why we're doing podcasts right now. <laughs> <laughs> Matt the Millennial, where'd you go to college at? Namco. <laughs> I didn't go to college. I was too busy smoking American spirits and <laughs> drinking PBR under hey, the bridge. Hey, 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 what were your loans? <laughs> None. None. I worked. Oh, I had a, yeah. God, oh, I had wow. a job. My professor made me eat a lot of pills, though, <laughs> uh, and he kept chomping at me <laughs> over and over and over. All right, let me ask you this. Did you watch what's the movie Pixels? No. Your boss was in it, and he was not a nice... I heard it was fucking horrible. Oh. Yellow yellow blob? Oh, it was what, bad. What, what it was bad. You, what would you yeah. refer to Pac-Man as? A, um, a round... A piece of shit. I don't know. I'm talking about your boss right now. Yeah, they don't pay me. <laughs> they pay I'm a you. Sweat, I'm an American sweatshop worker. They pay you. They just don't pay you as much as you want. <laughs> I imagine you do get a paycheck, right? In the ass. You, you take... That's how you prefer to be paid? <laughs> so here's the thing with this whole education conundrum. They say, Bob, we cannot find transcripts. We can't find anything on you that you went to MIT, that you went to Caltech. What the fuck, Bob? And he goes, symbol. They erased me. They just removed me from the system. And you go, well, makes sense. Pretty fucking convenient. Yeah, of course they did. Because it's it's easy, I'm sure, to um, convince everyone that ever knew you to say that they didn't know you and to erase everything you've done, period. So let me get this straight, Bob. Every piece of evidence pointing to you having a degree at any one of these places, actually having been in attendance at any one of these places, was somehow erased and gotten rid of before all of these records were even online. Yep, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> Anything that could possibly lend him credibility, say for the lie detector test, his education, his work history, everything completely unsubstantiated. No way to prove it. If the government really wiped his past clean of all involvements, then, like, why did they do a half-assed job? Like, you can still find out that he was you know, at this junior college, you know, and you can still see that he was, you know, shitty in high school 
unless they were doing that to undercut him and make him look less valuable. Well, if I'm going to play devil's advocate here, Mm -hmm. the one thing you could say is they were cleaning things up before the internet existed. And it's really hard to, I suppose, clean up every little mess, uh, every little trace uh, of someone being in a certain school or doing these certain things. So I can understand how there'd be vestiges of, of, of traces of, of him. The problem that I have is, is the story that he actually told logistically doesn't make a ton of sense. Right. One of the other things that is a big proponent or opponent or depending on what side of the story you're on is, is, um, his W2, his pay stub. Uh, they did come forward with a, uh, pay stub saying that he was paid from the Department of Naval Intelligence, but it totals under a thousand dollars. So yeah, is- he provided one pay stub mm-hmm. um, that uh, it did say from the Department of Naval Intelligence, which, according to official federal records, doesn't exist. Doesn't fucking exist. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, listening to other people that talk about covert anything, top secret things. That's like it's that, po- it's possible that they talk about the the Department of Naval Intelligence's. Who runs Star Wars and Men in Black and run our space fleets for our outer space program? Dynamic drop in there, Johnny. Do it again. That's the Navy right there. So the point is, it's possible that, uh, or not possible. Other people think that there might be an organization called that. I mean, I got, I got to step in here right now. What the fuck is Navy intelligence doing in the desert? I understand what you're saying there. Like, why wouldn't it be the Air Force, which is who runs Area 51? But they're saying that naval intelligence is like above all of it. They're like the, um, they, they run all the, the covert things because the Navy's the oldest. I almost got the impression that naval intelligence was just a name for, uh, super dark, uh, well, that's majestic. <laughs> Not that dark. Uh, just super dark, uh, um, shadow. Any, uh, any, any shadow, black, black, black ops, black, Illuminati. But, uh, so they were the yeah, super dark black ops, mm-hmm. uh, form of, uh, cults. I'm just saying things now. <laughs> Beaver. <laughs> Wall. Sidewalk. Chalkboard. I love lamb. <laughs> um, and a lot of people have came forward and said, that's the smoking gun. That proves it. Fuck you and the horse you rode in on. And then other people are like, this is fake. This is obviously a fake W-2. And, you know, this just plays into more of the Bob Lazar hoopla. So the other thing, too, is in this time when he comes forward and he says, okay, uh, late 88, they come and talk to me. I already had Q clearance, which is high as you can be as a civilian. I immediately am granted majestic clearance. And if you go online, you'll see this badge that has MAJ and it's got his name and his picture on it. Which is just a representation. Yeah, he made that. And he'll tell you, he's like, well, I just made that. That's what it looked like. That's not real. It takes a long time for you to get security clearance. And if you're majestic, which they are saying is like between 21 and 28, levels above the fucking president. This is a span over 25 years though, isn't it? No, this is a span. No, this is a span of over like days. No, no, the whole story is 25 years, but they're just saying like from when he was, uh, offered the job. Can I touch on that for a second? Mm -hmm. So he has majestic clearance, which according to sources, quote unquote, is 21 to 28 levels above the president. Correct. Yet, when he's signing all of his paperwork at Area 51 saying that he mm-hmm. can be prosecuted because he is getting this kind of clearance, 
it is signed by none. <laughs> the fact that he can sign his rights away, um, that executive order is signed by none other than Ronnie Reagan. Well, I, I think uh, we'll go ahead and let you sign your rights away. All right. Right. So it takes it takes someone with way lower clearance than you to allow you to have way higher clearance than them. It's like the private saying, you know what, Admiral? We're going to go ahead and let you do that. <laughs> you keep it real. I had a buddy who worked on computers in the military, though, and it was funny. He said that uh, he had higher clearance than the guy who ran the base he was at, which was like a, a, a full bird colonel. And so when they would have to work on, like, the, the main, like – computer systems, he would have to have someone, they would fly someone in or bring someone in with higher clearance than him to watch him because the colonel was couldn't know like the shit he, you know, not that he knew anything. He was just okay to like put in a new stick of RAM in a fucking computer, you know? It's- and I, listen, I get that. I, I get the, the government loves to co- compartmentalize. Mm-hmm. That's, that's, that, that's the government's thing to keep information away from other pieces of the government. Divvy it up. I just have a hard time believing that here's the president. Oh, and uh, 28 stages later, see what I did there, is is where old Bobby Lazar. Well, and also, like, what I was originally getting at is the time. There is no way, no how, two things I want to touch on. There's no way you're going to get from I get this job to I have Majestic. Let's pretend for all intents and purposes that that's true. It exists. It's, it's as high as he's saying, 100%. You are... All those 20 some levels above the president and we're going to go ahead and approve you for that in just a few days. Like, of course, on top of that, I, I, I applied for my TSA pre your 90 pre-check. days ago when I still don't have my fucking known traveler number. <laughs> and that's, that's, that's government and its best, baby. That's the way it works. So but here- Bobby Lazar gets the keys to the kingdom in what a week and a half. Yeah. Then on top of that, there's no fucking way if Majestic Level exists, they're going to give some dude who'd been arrested for pandering running uh, the computer systems at a fucking brothel or running a brothel. I mean, depending on where you look it up, it, it talks about this. This guy had a sordid past and they're like, hey, hey, put down that hooker. Come look at this alien. Okay, Come so, here. You know, I like this cat. <laughs> the more I read about him. Oh, now, hey. now he seems legit. Right? Before he didn't, but now he seems legit. I've seen aliens. I've seen spacecraft. I've seen London and I've seen France. I've seen hookers. Like, Underpants. It just makes sense. <laughs> um, so, <laughs> so suspension of disbelief here. They pass his background check. He gets majestic clearance in an, a matter of days instead of months and weeks and years. It usually takes just for them to fucking, you know, file paperwork. Let's just say that all of that is true. Okay. He is okay for this job. They take him on out there. He's going to be working on it. We haven't even got to the meat of most of the bullshit, which is the fucking or quote unquote bullshit. We don't know. Wait, wait, the one other thing that we haven't touched on yet is how he got the job. So supposedly he met Dr. Teller. Dr. Teller. Dr. Teller was impressed by his Honda. His Honda CRX, which I mean, who wouldn't be? Never underestimate the staggering appeal of a modern day Honda motor car. When he decided that he wanted to get out of film processing and get back into the world of physics, he simply sent a letter to the creator of the hydrogen bomb and said, hey, I want to get back into physics. What do you think? Hey. Hey, Telly. It's me, Bobby. (laughs) Wanted to see if maybe you could get me a job with them aliens. 
Hugs and kisses. Yeah, say hi to the kids. Later. And not only that, did he then hear back from old Telly, and Telly said, you know what, I think uh, I think we might be able to help you out. Another interesting part of his story, uh, Lazar actually did his own documentary a few years after he did the interview. In his documentary, which he begins by driving up in a old Corvette, you know, just to show you how cool he is, he says... Now, uh, what did that Corvette sound like? Not a Honda jet-powered yeah. CRX. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that's just... I'll take it. How can you go from a jet-powered Honda to a piece-of-shit Corvette? So, in the documentary, he says, um, I don't think Teller remembered me, but I still got a call back from the job. But then in an Art Bell interview years later, he said, it turned out Teller remembered me well and called me for the job. I understand people's memory can change, but that's a pretty big deal if the father of the hydrogen bomb acknowledges that he remembers who you are from reading about you in the in the monitor. from reading about you in the Los Alamos monitor <laughs> or if he doesn't. Well, you know what? Why don't we just settle this? Let's call up Teller and ask him. Oh wait, he's dead. He can't substantiate this. And in every interview that you can find, he said he won't talk about Bob Lazar. Yeah, you know. So, hmm, what are you going to do? Anyway, very interesting. So old Bobby Lazar might or might not have any degrees, might or might not be a physicist, and might or might not have gotten a job that he shouldn't have gotten. Next, let's talk about the physics behind all of the discoveries that he made after the break. Hola, David. Me amo Brent. Bonjour, uh, Brent. Je m'appelle David. You didn't do Spanish. I thought if we were going to do this together, we'd do the same language. Oh, sorry. <laughs> that's uh, that's on brand for us. I, that, I I just thought romance languages yeah. was the key. Everything I say is romantic, and that is thanks to Rosetta Stone. <laughs> you guys, we, we've been touting these things forever. We love Rosetta Stone, and we actually are users. David, you've really been using it even for longer than I. What's your experience been like? Oh, it's been great. The thing is, uh, you really get to learn how to speak and think in that language with it. So it's very high on pronunciation, too. So <laughs> you can, you know, learn how to speak. And, you know, our show is all about proper pronunciation. <laughs> in that pronunciation. Yeah, that's right. But it's it, they design it for long-term retention, you know. It, and, yeah. Uh, if you don't get the pronunciation right, you, you say it until you do. And then, you know, that, that just seeps into your head. Well, and that's why, you know, this has been trusted by experts for 30 years and there's over 25 different languages that you can learn and people, millions and millions of users use it because like you said, it does seep in and you're using it with, you know, you get speech recognition and mm -hmm. it, it hears you. You get to use like the built-in true accent features that gives you this pronunciation, which is super convenient and you can do it at your own time. And I don't know if you can know this, but I'm all about value. And you get a one-time purchase, 25 languages. If I learned all 25 languages, I'd be so confused or really cool. <laughs> I'd go in and out. But you'd be real marketable. But literally, though, this is something that we use. And we have both of us have given the seal of approval because we want to do this long term. And uh, it's something that uh, it works. You know, and we don't yeah. we don't do long term um, stuff like this. And this is this is the one that we've chosen, and we love it. So, all you guys got to do don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now, as we've told you a thousand times, and it's always now. Right now, get now. started for very limited time. History fifty one listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for fifty percent off. How much? Fifty percent. Visit Rosetta Stone. 
dot com slash today. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your unnatural life. Wow. Redeem, redeem, redeem. How do they do it? Rashate, you're oh. 50% off. <laughs> Rashate. <laughs> redeem it. 50% off. RosettaStone.com slash today. Do it today. After years of fine print contracts and getting ripped off by overpriced wireless providers, if we've learned anything, it's that there's always a catch. So when Brent and I heard that for a limited time, all Mint Mobile wireless plans are $15 a month when you purchase a three-month plan, we thought, man, what's the catch? But after talking to them, it all made sense. There isn't one. Mint Mobile's secret sauce is that they sell wireless service online. They cut out the cost of retail stores and pass those sweet savings directly to you. Brent is trying to plan right now and says that it works like a charm from Chicago to Nashville as he makes his big old move. Mint Mobile is working for him. All plans come with high-speed data and unlimited talk and text delivered on the nation's largest 5G network. And you can use your own phone with any Mint Mobile plan and bring your phone number along with all your existing contacts. So ditch the overpriced wireless with Mint Mobile's limited-time deal and get three months of premium wireless service for 15 bucks a month. To get this new customer offer and your new three-month unlimited wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month, go to mintmobile.com slash hysteria. That's mintmobile, M-I-N-T-M-O-B-I-L-E dot com slash hysteria, H-Y-S-T-E-R-I-A. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash hysteria. $45 upfront payment required. New customers on first three-month plan only. Speed slower above 40 gigabytes on unlimited plan. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See Mint Mobile for details. Acast powers some of the world's best podcasts. Here's a show we recommend. I'm Meredith Masony. And I'm Tiffany Jenkins. We're the hosts of Take It or Leave It, a podcast where we discuss all things marriage, motherhood, and everything in between. Join us every week where we sit down and talk about parenting, even though we don't really know what we're talking about. We have guests, we take your calls, and we get weird. Tiffany and I are just like you. We are two struggling moms who have no idea what we're doing. Join us on Take It or Leave It, an advice-ish podcast for parents. A cash recommends. And welcome back to the last chapter of this drama that is Bob Lazar. Old Bobby's coming to an end. It's been fun. Brent, let's talk about periodic table. Ooh, what's your favorite element? Mine's surprise. <laughs> Ooh, you little <laughs> rascal. <laughs> and I'm leaving. <laughs> so. One of the things that Bob Lazar purports is that uh, these UFOs were powered by Element 115. And he said this in 1989. Yep. In 1989, the the biggest or the uh, largest atomic number on the periodic table we had was was 109, I believe. I believe so, yeah. So in 2003, when some Russians collided a few atoms together and came up with element 115, the internet went fucking berserk. Oh my God, Bob Lazar is correct. They have the internet back then? They did. In 2003, fuck. 
Like, I Never forget mind. that in 2003, Never you were like mind. four years old. <laughs> <laughs> I was 10. He was playing Yu-Gi-Oh. Yeah. Leave him alone. Pokemon was still around. So, obviously, Bob Lazar was telling the truth. Here's my point. Uh, the reason I wanted to bring this up, uh, well, there's a few different reasons, but saying that Element 115 is what it's powered on, not exactly a stretch. When you already have Element 109 and you know the rate in which we're kind of discovering elements and you you just understand basic chemistry, it's not a far uh, stretch to say that, that, you know, sooner than later, we're probably going to have element 115, which right. is called... Unumpentium. Unumpentium. Uh, That's a mouthful. <laughs> Conspiracy bot, you so want to give that one a shot? That would be Unumpentium, you lazy bastards. So he comes up with the idea that we're going to have this element 115 that we can power everything with. And then in 2003, it gets created. The only problem is... What we create has a half-life of, like, 20 nanoseconds or some shit like that. Yeah, it's gone in the blink of an eye. In other words, you can't use it as a power source. Well, at least not in that state. And he said the other thing is that we had 500 pounds of element 115, and they had to bombard it with protons for it to uh, react in the way that it did. Oh, I'll get to that. So well, first, let's get to his quote. Go ahead. He said, Unumpentium can't be generated in a lab. It must be found in naturally occurring deposits in large star solar systems. So I did a little research on that. Okay. It turns out that stars produce nothing heavier than iron. Oh, no shit. Yeah. Uh, because elements heavier than iron take more energy than they give in a fusion process, it, it, anything heavier than that is only produced in a supernova explosion and or particle accelerators like you like when you got on a pentium. lab? Uh, yeah, like in the Fermilab, dynamic drop-in, Matt the Millennial. Yes! <laughs> he was worth every penny. That's right. <laughs> Much like them. conspiracy That's two, it, of yeah. <laughs> two pennies. Um, the, the other thing that I found really interesting is they said Bob Lazar said that unimpentium can't be generated in a lab, right? And that it must be found naturally occurring in, <laughs> in, in deposits uh, in large star solar systems. And yet the Bob Lazar supporters took the fact that we created an impentium in a lab to be proof that Bob Lazar was telling the truth. Mm-hmm. Isn't that the exact opposite? So he actually referenced that in a, in a recent interview and um, paraphrasing, he was just like, what he was saying is like, there's more than one type of hydrogen. There's more than one type of uranium. Only certain types of uranium can be enriched. Uh, he was saying there are, one day you'll find that there's different types of element 115 that's stable uh, beyond the you know 20 nanoseconds or whatever it is, and we're just not there yet. Well, I'm two still things. right. Blah 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 blah. Two things. Number one, I'm not a physicist, so you know maybe. Uh, and two, it's really easy to say, yeah, you just you just don't get it. <laughs> it's like what that girl in middle school said. Uh, well, no, my parents are rich. You just don't understand. That's, that's just my go-to every, every forum. Like, you just don't get it. Right. You're just stupid. <laughs> you, you misspelled a word. So everything you've ever said in your life is invalid. What, what, one, uh, one other inaccuracy in regard to unimpentium. Only uh, one other, only one <laughs> that I'll point out right now. He said the melting point was 2000 Kelvin. Uh, it turns out it's about 670 Kelvin. Oh, wow. Uh, I, I understand melting point isn't the biggest of the big. However, you need to understand the melting point to go ahead and activate it as a fuel. And that is more than he said it was almost triple what it actually is. More than but maybe it's that different kind of unimpentium that he was talking about. That's true. 
That's true. Mm. You just you just don't understand. I just don't understand. <laughs> <laughs> so let's pretend that this specific unapentium one fifteen is exactly what he's talking about. The two thousand kelvins melting point. What about the rest of the propulsion system? The the antimatter drive exactly. and the, the gravitational waves. So the the antimatter drive is is another interesting thing. He's basically saying that uh, he's going the, the energy is going to be created out of the antimatter drive through um, a bunch of processes that aren't aren't worth going into here, and I'm frankly not smart enough to go into. But I do understand the the basic laws of physics, and and there's a simple uh, conservation of like mass and energy. And that tells us that uh, that that propulsion system wouldn't put out that energy. So the, the basic theoretical way that, that these things work is that, that if you give a proton, you get an antiproton. That, that like that's what they're saying with the, the the antimatter. See a proton, pick it up all day long. You'll have good luck. That's <laughs> the way it goes. Somebody What's that throw- from? Somebody, my mom. My mom always told me. Oh, that. okay. Somebody throws a proton at you. What do you do? Yeah. Swat it to the ground. Swat it to the ground. Swat it to the ground. Pretend it's a baby. <laughs> Basically, uh, cemented. So, uh, in other words, you get the anti version of everything you put in. Nothing more. Nothing less. That, that's what I'm saying about the, the the basic laws of of simple conservation of energy. You don't get extra out of what you put in. You get energy exactly equal to the mass energy of the particles that went into making it. Nothing more. So what you're saying is for every action, there's an equal and opposite reaction. But nothing more than that. So how are we creating energy? In other words, uh, to get antimatter that you then collide with the matter to get the energy we've been talking about. This episode is brought to you by Nourish by Nature Made the number one pharmacist-recommended vitamin and supplement brand. Nourish is a personalized vitamin regimen customized to you. Backed by 45 years of science, they remove the guesswork from your vitamin regimen. With thousands of happy customers, Nourish is a trusted supplement brand by many. Visit Nourish.com to create your customized package today. Let's be real. Dealing with tangled cords can make it harder to do your hair. Break free with the new Unbound Cordless Auto Curler from Conair. Get the curls and waves you want, anytime, anywhere. It's designed to let you experience the power and freedom of beauty in motion. No cords to hold you back. You get your curls and waves your way. Unplug and be unbound. Loose curls, tight curls, beachy waves. The Unbound Cordless Auto Curler makes it easy to get the looks you love. Love your look. Live Unbound. Available at conair.com and search Unbound. You have to expend the same amount of energy to create the antimatter. That, and, and that's even assuming a 100% conversion, which you almost never get. You, I mean, there's always loss of energy. There's certainly not a gain of it um, that you would theoretically then generate. Does that uh, make sense? Yeah, no, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, then like, how does half something the size of half of a basketball generates a gravitational pull. That's just pull. because you don't understand oh, yeah. element 115. Exactly. <laughs> well, and, and, and on the gravitational pull, that's the other weird shit. He, he says that there's like, uh, A waves and B waves yep. and, and the B waves. And, and this is getting into the, to water much deeper than, than I'm. Any um, layman's terms. Yeah. Exactly. Than a layman belongs in. <laughs> but, but I do know one thing. 
he says that the, there's A waves and B waves. The B waves are, you know, kind of inside the nucleus. The A waves are kind of outside the nucleus. Now, okay, get it. And he's using the A waves, uh, for, you know, for propulsion. The, 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 that's the gravity that you can manipulate mm. and use the energy to manipulate and, and make the ship go wherever you want. Making it, yeah, it's, it's, it's focusing to create the event horizon or whatever he said it was that you, right. You, yeah. Now, the problem is that physics tells us that gravity outside the nucleus loses almost all of its pull. That's that those A waves are kind of worthless. Now, I understand that when you say physics tells us, your natural response is, well, a hundred years ago, physics told us that we couldn't fly an airplane and look at that now. Huh? Yeah. Oddly, that's my exact inner voice. That's, <laughs> that is really stunning. Nailed it. And I get that. I, I do. I understand that, that there are always discoveries being made, but that's also an easy cop out. Like, well, you just don't yeah. understand. That's just the easiest go to. Like, well, I could explain it to you, but it's, it's much too, it's much too hard for you to understand. And I'd, I'd explain it or I'd show you, but you just know it's not going to, you wouldn't get it. Exactly. Element 115. Let's say, yeah, it works. It's absolutely, absolutely there. The physics. Absolutely. We just don't understand it. It's not breaking the laws of physics. It's just happening outside the laws of that we understand that we understand thus far. And apologies to any and all physics professors and or physicists listening as to what I just butchered. But I think you get the point. I don't know. Can we start over? I didn't you know, tell it to me again, but slower. So and in a softer voice. <laughs> so antimatter. <laughs> My little butterflies. Don't look at me when you talk like that. It makes me. You can look at Matt. He seems lagging, but don't look at me. <laughs> Let's talk about antimatter. You made me spill my PBR, baby. I spilled my PBR all over my my, my lumberjack outfit that I'm wearing. Oh my god! You keep saying flannel. I wear flannel. See, I told you I was a fucking millennial. <laughs> oh, don't get your man bun in a twist. <laughs> That's a creeper joke. It's like creeper weed. So all this is happening, and yep, makes sense. Everything he said is true. Why doesn't any motherfuckers ever remember him? No one from Los Alamos. No one from Caltech. No one from anywhere. MIT. Anytime this has ever been brought up, everyone said, don't remember him until recently. Bump, bump. Bum. Just just uh, within the last few years, a guy by the name of Dr. Robert Krangel actually came forward and said, Bob Lazar, yeah, I worked with him at Los Alamos. He was a physicist. And uh, Conspiracy Bot, can you give us a little Dr. Krangel? So if uh, indeed, you know, Bob is a nuclear physicist, some of the uh, reflections of that would be the things that he's done, such as build a particle accelerator in his backyard. Oh, Lordy, I love it. <laughs> okay, so that is that is a symptom of being a nuclear physicist. Yeah, for sure. Okay. okay. <laughs> so, yeah, so that... don't, and don't stand in front of the E-beam. <laughs> okay. okay, so um, this was a very cool beginning just to meet somebody who knew Bob professionally from Los Alamos in, in the sense that you, you saw him there. You guys were in... I, um, you know, don't tell anybody meetings. What did you say? What do you call it? Security meetings? Yeah, security briefings. Yeah. Okay. So specifically, you, know, you they, remember. They, they, they lump you into these, you know, it's, it's little lecture halls or classroom kind of things, and you get your, you know, it, it's your security pep talk. So, so let me just ask you just real specifically. So you have a direct individual memory of being in a security briefing at Los Alamos with Bob Lazar? Yeah. Yeah, it was one of the. Yeah, it, it, when I'm, I'm not talking about a classroom of ten or twelve people. 
I'm talking about, you know, the auditorium size kind of thing. You know, everybody after lunch, you know, go over to the auditorium. You're going to get your security briefing for the week. And, yeah, yeah that's I remember seeing. And so, so that, I mean, that just, why, you know, why would he be there if he wasn't working in a capacity where that was important? Yeah, I yeah. don't think they bring the janitor into, yeah. Okay, because I just want to kind of demystify that once and for all, you know, the fact that you're there at a security briefing at Los Alamos and you're not even really into all this stuff, but you, but you knew Bob, that's big. That's big for me. Thanks, conspiracy bot. I mean, yeah. So we got a guy remembers him. So, so you got one guy coming forward and saying, uh, yeah, you know, I, I remember him. He was, look at the guy. He looks like a fucking physicist because he is a physicist. I remember him in meetings back in the day. Uh, I still at, Lo, at Los, Alamos, Los Alamos. I was, I was in a large security briefing in an auditorium setting with him. Yep. Like, absolutely. Don't know what he did, but he was a physicist. He doesn't know what I did, but I was a physicist. And he certainly wasn't a janitor there. Exactly. Which has been the, you know, well, of course we know he worked there, but he was probably just a janitor. So you got one guy coming forward, uh, and saying, yeah, you also got another guy. Big in the UFO uh, business. That's Stanton Friedman. I mean, this guy, uh, I, I kind of think he hates Bob Lazar. Like, he goes out of his way to make sure to stomp on any mention of him whatsoever. He's poured a lot of time and money and, 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 and resources into debunking pretty much everything that the Lazar has, has said. First and foremost, can we address his name, Stanton? Can we just call him Stan? Uh, no. Because there's a ton on the end of it. Stanton. <laughs> Stanton. All right. So, uh, he didn't go to Ton school for four years to be called Stan. It's a good point. Thank you very much. And that's much. actually a point that that guy would probably make. I, <laughs> listen, if you can't tell by now, I'm not a huge believer in most of the Bob Lazar stuff. That said, I, this, Stanton Friedman strikes me as a parasite. I understand that in a lot of circles, he's seen as one of the modern day fathers of ufology. And I, I get that. And I appreciate that. And I appreciate the effort he's put forth and all of that. But it strikes me that he's kind of a, um, uh, a troll before trolls existed, you know, like, uh, like digitally digital trolls. Like he, every time technology existed, You're right? every time Lazar pops up, Five minutes later, there's Friedman saying, oh, but here's the reason why Lazar is wrong. But and then the opposite of that, like anytime anyone mentions like uh, Barney and Betty Hill, Friedman's the first one to come up and be like, no, you're fucking wrong. They're they're 100 percent right. You know, and and I understand. But you know what? There's you can poke holes in anything. He's taken aside. He's sticking with it. I understand. And the guy the guy's got traction. I mean, he's he's a he's a name among names when you're talking about this stuff. If you've ever watched a um Outside of, you know, like ancient aliens, if you watched a show on aliens and UFOs, he's probably on it. Like he's, he's that guy with the beard and the white hair and the glasses talking about aliens. I mean, he's always in stuff. And that's a, that's actually a, a great point to make, um, in favor of Lazar. And, and what I, what I mean by that is we, we haven't touched on the fact that while Lazar is a weird dude, um, the one thing you, can't say is that he did this to profit. He is, he's, he's literally had multiple opportunities to make 
to make a lot of money off this thing. And he has it now. Don't get me wrong. He made a documentary and he's done a few other things. I'm sure he's made a few bucks off it. He's tried option in the movie and it's been an option. The not made been a, for a while. Actually, Matt Damon was going to pay, play him. And that would have been uh, awful. <laughs> uh, but the point is that, uh, he, oh, no, he, I could have, I could have seen Matt Damon as, as, as Bobby Lazar. Yeah. I, I, I don't, I don't think so because you need to have a clear protagonist or a clear winner, you know, like, like, so you, well, I'm sure they would have taken it in a, a, a way clear, of, yeah. uh, a clear good guy, and he is not a clear good no, guy. That's true. That's true. I mean, but it's brothels are the oldest, you know, profession. Why? Why isn't he a good guy? Oh, what that's not the problem. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. The the one thing Lazar didn't do is profit off of it. I mean, he tried here and there, right? Um, but he he has multiple times removed himself from the public eye. He has multiple times turned like. There's a circuit. There's a UFO circuit. And if you're listening to this show, you might be uh, either a participant in it or you might go enjoy um, some of those festivals. What's the one called? Well, the MUFON, you know, is the big group, you know, and they put on festivals. You might go enjoy MUFON. Um, there, there's a lot of different stuff that, that a guy with the name of Bob Lazar could go make money on and he doesn't. So – I'm not saying that legitimizes anything. I am saying that his number one goal in doing whatever he did, whether it have been uh, true or false, was not perhaps money. It looks more like self-preservation because he didn't want to get fucking killed. If it's all true. If it's true, yeah. I mean, I, well, that's the you know, the big if it's true. And the other thing is, yeah, like or maybe it was in the beginning money and he just sucked at it. But he didn't do it right. But uh, the other thing that I, I got to give to Bob Lazar he brought Area 51 out of the shadows and into the mainstream consciousness. Like, it became a thing. Before that, I don't know that a lot of people outside of Las Vegas knew about the, the airplanes that flew the, the contractors in and out of. And and um, you actually were talking to me earlier uh, about the amount of people that fly out there versus, like, the size of the, the, the bases is supposed to be. Yeah, so in our modern day, we actually have a few uh you know photos of area 51 and the amount of buildings that you the can russian see. satellite surveillance is actually really cool that's something that was released and you can right, see right. most of the upper base yeah upper the amount of buildings that you see this is at area 51 we're not talking about s4 the amount of buildings you see versus the amount of flights that fly out to uh area 51 every day out of mccarran um it's obvious that there's a disparate number of people going there versus could fit in those buildings. The point being that it, that it is very likely there's a lot going on underground there, which would make sense. I mean, I don't think anyone is uh, contending that it it's not a military base and it's not a, uh, a super secret military base. And, and you said it's a good thing. I don't know if it's a good thing. I mean, if, if let's just say for a second that Lazar is full of shit and we're just testing out awesome planes there. Do we really want uh, everybody checking it out all day, every day? I, do we right. really want people uh, filming it, trying to get in all day, every day? I, I, I mean, yes, I understand, you know, we want uh, clarity from the military, but you don't want to know what, you know, the coolest plane they're testing. That, that, that's not that, we, that that kind of secrecy is what we need to, uh, you know, keep our advantage over our enemies. There's a couple lines of, of thought process with that. And I'm going to come, I'll come back to that, um, about maybe why he did that. I just wanted to touch on like, so we, we've kind of given you the full circle. Now it's 20, you know, five plus years later and, uh, they've recently done interviews with him. 
he sticks to the story. Like we've said, he's like, Hey, it happened. I can't make you believe me. I just know it's the truth. And Hey, good for him for sticking with it. If you're going to tell a story. In fact, now he's saying, I don't want you to believe me. Yeah. He actually says that he's like, good because you'll leave me alone. Like people will leave me alone. And the thing that yeah, you he said doing interviews, the thing that you said that is so true about all these guys is when you watch their interviews, you use the best word. They all have handlers. Like he's always got a fucking handler there and they're asking him questions. He's like, yeah, Bob, tell him, tell him Bob about that time. And Bob's like, yeah, uh, you know, there was this time. Remember what you told me that one time, Bob? And half the time is John Lear, uh, you know, that we talked about before, like the Lear well, we're, fame. We're, we are, we are, um, we're deep into episode two here and we haven't even touched on the fact that, uh, he had all of these, uh, like you said, handlers, um, George Knapp, who was the KLAS guy. So John Lear, uh, Gene Huff, George Knapp. I mean, all of these guys, depending on which, uh, interview you're listening to are right there. And, and then you got to go also with Art Bell, George Norrie, the people that, um, Give them a lot of play. Sure. Keep the, the story going. But the three that I was just talking yeah. about will be on the interview. And so when when Lazar starts to lose it or can't remember something, they kind of prod him like, oh, yeah. Remember that time? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That thing? Yeah. Uh, that thing with the thing? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and all of a sudden, Lazar, oh, yeah, yeah. That's what I meant. The big question is, could he be telling the truth? Could this be, you know what, uh, 100% true? Everything he said is true. I guess it's time for us to go around and talk about what we feel. I do not believe what he said was true. Um, I don't believe that he was working on what he said he worked on. He's very convincing. I, even in my mind, wonder if he was used to draw attention to Area 51 Maybe by the government, like literally like he was used as a, not a patsy. I'm, I got patsy in my head right, because but, of JFK. But, but he yeah, was, like, like the whole who, who takes a shot at somebody and misses. Yeah. Yeah. Like, especially if if you fucked over the government, like they're going to fucking erase you. Like, come on. I feel like if you wanted to have a secret base, let's say Area 51 wasn't going to be the one anymore and you needed to build a new one somewhere and you wanted to make sure no one knew where that new one was. You know what I'm going to do? Draw a whole fuckload of attention to the last old base and make sure everyone's talking about it. Now, I'm not saying that's what happened, but if the government did do that, that's fucking ingenious. And it makes sense that they would have used someone like him who has, and maybe they did erase him in ways on purpose with his help. Maybe this whole time they're like, you know what? We're going to take care of you and we're going to like some of these, uh, these brothel charges in the future and stuff. We're not going to, not going to worry about that. And we got your back. You're going to be, you know, maybe he was a government contractor of some sort and they used him. Starting to sound like a conspiracy theory, man. That is. No, it, it absolutely is. <laughs> like, I just, like, I, that makes more sense to me than him coming forward with this information because I, in my mind, exactly what, like you said, I feel that if he would have came forward to this, they would, they would have killed him. Like, if, if this was true, he would have been killed is, is what I feel. I, I don't think there's any if, ands, or buts about that. And, there's where it loses me above everything else. Like you said, when they're like, Oh, they shot at me and Oh, like we're going to get you. Like, you don't know what we're going to do, but then they don't do anything. And 
I guess one really good thing to do is to come forward and say, hey, look at me, like, but I don't think it would have went that far. You know what? George Knapp probably would have been uh, killed, too. You know what I mean? Unfortunately, if that if that was true. You were with him. Yeah, you know. We're going to have to take oh, you out, too. Oh, you got to die. Sorry. Like, Matt, Matt, what are you leaning on this story? Oh, I mean, the government decoy definitely makes sense to me. Um one thing uh, that's a little ridiculous to me is just how he's talking about like gravitational pull in a reactor half the size of a basketball. I mean, that I'm not all about, like, I'm not crazy knowledgeable, but mm-hmm. I mean. You didn't read until a couple years ago, right? Fourth grade. Come yeah. <laughs> Start reading fourth grade. So, like, two years ago. <laughs> But, um, I don't know. There's some of the technology he was talking about, the 115. I don't really feel any of that. Besides, I feel like, um, in, in the end, I don't believe him. However, you never know. You, you never, you, you're right. Unfortunately, you do never know. And it's one of those stories. I'm going to say this. Like, I want to believe him. Like, I want. I want to believe him. I want him to be like, oh, yep. And you know what? When full disclosure comes out, like Dennis drives out and high fives him like, sorry, buddy. <laughs> well, I mean, it's, so he was selling um, science materials in Michigan with his wife after all this happened. And this was back in 2014. And you're just going to stay in the country. You're not going to try to get citizenship anywhere else you're yeah, not well, gonna you try would, to flee that's actually a good edward point. snowden yeah why wouldn't you snowden that fucking yeah, shit snowden like, that like shit. try like if you literally knew that it, you know uh, you, don't you feel like if that was true russia would have came forward and been some like, of his we, biggest supporters call say that uh bob lazar is the original snowden yeah yep well you know what i bet there's a if there was any truth to that maybe they did i bet there's a lot of countries that would have been knocking on his door saying hey come on over like KGB Come on over, style. baby. Yeah. Come on over. That's Putin himself back in the 90s. There you go. Back when he was a little poot. <laughs> <laughs> so, John, where you at? My thoughts on this are fairly simple. I think there are certain people in this world that I don't want to use the term psychopaths, but I'll use the term psychopath in the sense that they are able to communicate as if X is true hmm. and Y isn't. Uh, and they truly believe it at the moment. It's or they've not- told this lie so much that it becomes true to them. Yeah. Uh, it's amazing if you li- – I've listened to hours of Bob Lazar, and very rarely does he stumble. Yeah. Uh, he Though he does stumble when uh, he's surprised. Mm-hmm. Not surprised by a question in the sense that he doesn't know the answer to it. Surprised when he doesn't know he's going to be asked a question. Like uh, listening to the 97 interview on um, uh, Coast to Coast, Art Bell um, – Brings on a guy from uh, Australia to ask a, a question that uh, he said, a surprise. Here's a surprise guest uh, for for a question with Bob Lazar. And you can just hear in Lazar's voice that it's not telling the facts, spewing back out, even answering the questions aren't the problem. His problem is that he didn't know that was coming. Mm-hmm. So it, it sounds more scripted. Or he's just, he's told the same answer over and over and over, and that's what he knows. Okay. And it makes him nervous when, yeah. when things like that change. Yeah, I could understand that. I, I just think that, I, I just think that he had, like, in my, in my mind's eye, I imagine him preparing for like four years, sitting in some apartment somewhere, just reciting shit to himself over and over again. This is who I am. This is what I did. This is who I am. 
This is what I did. Like he's in the mirror. It's like in that old SNL sketch. You're good enough. You're smart enough. You're smart enough. And doggone it, people like you. And doggone it, you spent time with a UFO. (laughs) (laughs) And I I think that's what happened. I, 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 listen, I believe that you, that, uh, aliens exist. I believe that Area 51 is a very secret area that very well had interesting if not extraterrestrial things happen there. I'm not I'm not saying I believe that, but I'm not saying I don't believe that. I don't believe, however, that Bob Lazar was there experiencing that. I think he is full of shit, and I think all of his handlers are there to parasite off of him. Uh, that's up to and including John Lear, George Knapp, Gene Huff, and even... Even to one extent or another, Stanton Friedman, because while Friedman is big on the UFO circuit, he has made his name on refuting Bob Lazar. Those are my thoughts. There you have it, kids. Your new opinion. <laughs> so let us know on Twitter, on Facebook, on Carrier Pigeon, however you want to get a hold of us, what you think. Uh, on Hysteria51.com. Let us know if we're way off. Like, what what part of the Bob Lazar mythos did we not touch on? What part did we completely get wrong? Like, we want to have a a discussion because, frankly, it is an incredibly interesting topic. Will we even have a show next week? They might be at the door right now. You never know. I mean, we could be just a bunch of drunken assholes. That's that's probably that is not a possibility, and you need to (laughs) shut up now. He will not be back. That is not a conspiracy theory. (laughs) Conspiracy bot, turn that red eye on. (laughs) Thank you, conspiracy bot. Now you're fucked. No, (laughs) where's my genitals? Facebook.com/slash hysteria fifty one. Jump on there. Give us a like. Comment. Let us know what's going on. Tweet at us at Hysteria51Pod or visit us at our new and lovely website, Hysteria51.com. And don't forget to jump on iTunes, hit subscribe, give us a review. At the very least, give us a rating. It really helps people discover the show. It helps us know what we're doing, uh, what you want to hear, what we need to do better. Really like you tuning in, and we will see you next time on Hysteria51. Thanks for listening to Hysteria 51, a weekly oddcast of conspiracy theories, mysteries, and the unexplained. We'll be back again next week with more known unknowns. If you'd like us to discuss a particular topic, suggest a guest, or simply seek some truth, we'd love to hear from you. You can email the show at hysteria51podcast at yahoo.com and follow us on Twitter at Hysteria51Pod. You've been listening to a fourth-hand joint.